hits all the time. We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access Podcast, everybody, from the Masson Newsroom. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings here with you on this dark and gloomy Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Hope you're joining us on our Masson Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel or on Twitter, wherever you're watching our podcast. Hope you're enjoying the view. We're trying to make it a little more lively <laughs> than it is outside. I know I dressed up for the occasion wearing all black. Um, Bloom and doom. I just I brought the the color. You did. You really did. Well, we're going to be talking about rule changes in a little bit. So I'm kind of dressed up like as the umpire. Maybe that's maybe I'll go with that. Oh, okay. Uh, But that's the the uh, heart of our uh, podcast this week is whether or not certain rule changes, the new rules that were implemented in a 2020 season, should stay or they should they go. Um, for next year and moving forward, we're going to get into that and how they affect the Nats. Some actually directly affect the Nationals, uh, whether or not they stay or go. Uh, but first off, Amy, the, the kind of topic right now around baseball, aside from the awards going on throughout the course of the week, of course, we'll see uh, how many MVP votes Juan Soto got tonight uh, when they announced the ballots. But the other thing that's just catching baseball's attention is the Tony La Russa hiring in Chicago. The White Sox make, I think, what started was an odd choice to begin with in right. hiring him, who's been out of the game, at least uh, in a managerial seat since 2011 with the Cardinals, and now bringing him in to take over this young team. And it seems like ever since from that point on, it's, the decision <laughs> has gotten worse and worse with um, some legal issues coming out for La Russa. Yeah, I mean... It- the last few years have been nothing short of newsworthy and baseball. You know, there's a lot of controversy and things going on surrounding baseball. So, of course, 2020 would be nothing short of that. And not only, you know, was the hiring surprising, but now that everything that's come out since then. Um, so, you know, from from my – I mean, it's never – that's not a good situation right. at all. Um, so, from my understanding is they knew about a prior DUI and then this came out? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think they knew about – the one that happened in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, which was earlier this year, January or February mm-hmm. of 2020, and then this this one came out the, the night before that they announced they the hired. hiring. Yeah, right. or um, they announced, or the they announced yes, I think. Yes, they yes, was yes, probably yes. already, mm-hmm. you know, just need to cross some T's and dot some I's. But for all kinds of purposes, he was already hired. But the night before they announced it, he gets another one. That that not making it easy on the White Sox there, but definitely surprising and and newsworthy for sure. I, I mean, I think like. Just all right. Let's go back to the original managerial in decision in question because it's a bold move to bring. I mean, obviously he's already a Hall of Famer. He's mm-hmm. got. He's maybe one of the best managers of all time. So you know, of course, you want to bring him in a smart baseball mind like that. Uh, the uh, I also thought it would have been funny if the manager they just fired would have won AL Manager of the <laughs> Year on the same day. Um, yeah. But you know, you bring in a guy to take over a young team, and it's interesting. How that would have meshed, or how I guess I guess he's not out of the door, so he's how it's going to mesh, and right. it's an interesting hire from the beginning because you're mending an old baseball mind with a new young team uh, that likes to have flash and flair mm-hmm. and show up opponents and be loud and exciting. I mean, the White Sox were one of the teams this year that caught a lot of people's eye, 
obviously made the playoffs for the first time in a long time. They are going to be one of the young teams that are going to catch a lot of not just baseball fans' attention, but young baseball fans' mm-hmm. attention. You know, this is a team that MLB, if you're, if you're a Rob Manfred, you're looking at them and kind of counting on the White Sox being one of the teams that's going to bring in Absolutely. a lot of younger fans, especially in that baseball-loving city of Chicago. Uh, and then now here's Tony La Russa, who is a very old-school mind, um, has been vocal about things like kneeling for the national anthem and players showing up, pitchers or flipping bats, stuff like that. So it was an interesting decision from that point, uh, that standpoint on how they were going to mesh to begin with. And then, of course, all the legal stuff comes afterwards. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a team that's going to be really exciting to watch for the next few years. Not only are they, they young, not mm-hmm. only are they flashy, not only are they diverse, you mm-hmm. know, in all of those ways, some of their it, – it, that just didn't seem like a good fit. But then you look at the direction that baseball is going and the modernization of baseball and analytics and all of that, and you bring in an older, obviously a great accomplished baseball mind, but that doesn't necessarily always work. That's not necessarily always going to work with what the front office wants and what you want as a manager. Um, Or it could work out great, you Mm know? Um, You have that, you know, just a great – like you said, a great baseball mind in there, and who knows what he could have done with that team, and who knows what he could have done with that that young ta- talent. Obviously, a lot of experience under his belt, um, and not necessarily out the door yet. We don't know what direction this is going to go, but it, it was an interesting hire, and you don't see that often in baseball and the way, the direction that baseball is going now. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it meshes because again, the White Sox haven't parted ways with Larusa yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they've said that they were aware of the legal things that were going on in his personal life uh, afterwards or before they hired him. And then now they're made aware, of course, of the DUI the night before. So, you know, they're sticking by him. And, and, you know, for everyone who's crushing, I don't know if we're necessarily crushing them or maybe just questioning, but people have been crushing the White Mm -hmm. Sox uh, publicly about this decision and their owner. But at some point, you know, got to give him props and credit he stands by his. He's staying by his guy. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Tony Russo has a special friendship with the White Sox owner, and he was a guy that he targeted from the get go. He knew he was. He wanted him to be the next manager for this young team, um, and through all of this, he's going to stand by him. And you know, that's a good sign of a good friend, at least, I guess. But you know, it, again, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. How the White Sox look next year. Uh, you know, if Larusa manages mm-hmm. to right the ship and, and survive these criticisms and these legal issues that he's battling and retain the job, uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's also funny to compare him to locally. You know, when the Nationals went and hired Dusty Baker, and yeah, that's, was, exact, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, of, yeah, it was the same kind of thought process where we need this old mind, old baseball mind, mm-hmm. to get us over the hump to manage well in the postseason and bring some postseason and championship experience and caliber to this team. We know how that worked out here in D.C. Uh, we can talk about all day long, and people still talk about whether or not they should have let Dusty Baker go. But you know, it, it's a risk, and, and I think there is a slight, there is a huge difference between Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa in the sense that Baker seemed more open to the way baseball was changing. He was always going to trust his gut. He said mm-hmm. that a thousand times, but he was open to the analytical numbers. He liked seeing, as long as it wasn't disrespectful toward the other team, he liked seeing emotion on the mound. Uh, in the batter's box, on the field, um, young players like Bryce playing with his hat off. You know, he likes that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if Tony kind of adapts that similar mantra and that similar managerial style in Chicago. And if you look at it, you know, like surface value, bring you have this young team 
and you you want to bring in experience versus a first time manager or like a young manager. Um, and who knows who he'll develop relationships with, who he'll be able to develop um, and hopefully develop a, a, a well-rounded team. Yep. It'll be exciting to watch. Yep, definitely. And a winning culture there, the team that hasn't been really been competitive since they won the World Series in 2005. You know, that fan base is starving, much like the other team was starving up until 2016. <laughs> All right, let's get into the, the meat of the podcast this week. Again, like I mentioned, we we're going to be discussing the new rules that were put in place for 2020 and whether or not we think that they should stay or go. We're talking universal DH, three batter minimum, Runner starting on second to uh, begin extra innings. So we're going to touch on a bunch of different ones because I, I, I went going back and kind of writing them all down and kind of researching these, Amy. I, I some of you forgot about, you know, there's there were so many baseball has never looked like this no. in 2020 and not just because of a pandemic season, but because of the rule changes. And and I'm going to say off the top before we get this started is like I understand pretty much all of the rules, why they were put in place for this season. Of course, a pandemic shortened season, 60 games, uh, players and staff and coaches and front office people's health were at risk. So that need to be taken in consideration, which was part of the reasoning behind these rules. I think we can all agree that un we understand why they're put in place this year, had no problem with it. It's just a matter of fact of – how baseball is going to move forward with some of the rules because there's been a lot of talk. Some people like this one. Some people didn't like this one. It could have been the other mm -hmm. way around. So, And the other things we're going to get into, especially with the universal DH, is that this is affecting teams in the offseason because they don't know how to move forward with building their rosters. Um, so I guess let's start with that one. I think that's the top of our list, the universal DH. Amy, stay or go, universal DH in Major League Baseball. Stay, 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 <laughs> stay, stay, stay. You're a universal DH. I don't. So I'm I'm not I don't know I I'm on the fence for the DH I st I avoid this cop I know it's such a cop out I understand I understand but I know we've talked about this but I guess not Yeah I I mean I avoid this conversation when it comes to like hot topic baseball talk. I just like you know you see on Twitter and stuff like the people All like the time. I I it's just avoid I don't because part of me under I like. Picture, I understand all sides. <laughs> I'm, it's such a cop out. I know. I'm sorry. That's no, okay. I, I, I get it. I understand. Like, pitchers hitting obviously devalues the game. But in my mind, also, if you're on the field, you should play all aspects of the game. You should hit. You know, that's part of the game. I understand nowadays. Like, I, I get it. So that goes to my other side. I understand why pitchers aren't good at hitting, you know, especially now that you want more offense. The universal DH makes more sense. But then I also like that the idea <laughs> of. One league has it, one league doesn't. I kind of like that because it separates baseball from every other sport where it's not universal rules. The rules change based on who you play. And, of course, that also goes along with every dimension of every ballpark you play in changes. It's not a universal oh, field yeah. like football or basketball or hockey. You know, it, it's, it's different. So you have to make adjustments on the fly based on who you're playing, where you're playing. I kind of like that aspect I about baseball. I think you still have to make adjustments, who you're playing, where mm -hmm. you're playing, with the DH. Mm -hmm. So I just – I don't think it, – it's not worth it. I mean, you see Max Scherzer a couple years ago spraining his thumb. You see the whole BP incident breaking his nose. Is it worth it to have your ace get hurt for almost an automatic out every time? Yeah. Uh, you know. But, but, the, but to that point, though, the – it's one what, exciting one at bat every, for however yeah, many. One every 10 times, maybe, let's say that, that they get a hit. That's exciting because it's so infrequent, especially when they drive in a home run or drive in a run. You know, it's, it, I don't know, it's exciting when a guy who you were expecting to be an automatic out isn't. And it also, 
you know, as a pitcher, it might bring up your value more. As a player, hey, I can also bring, you know, my 230 batting average. That's really high for a pitcher, I feel like. But, you know, it's, it's low for a normal player, but I feel like that'd be a solid batting average for a pitcher. Right. And, hey, I get on base once every six times as opposed to ten times. So it adds an exciting not element. Not just a throwaway batter. Yeah. It adds an exciting element, but also I think adding a good bat in there makes it more exciting. I think yeah, having no, I agree. a DH makes it more exciting than the chance of the pitcher doing something extraordinary. Yeah. You know, um, then you take the risk risk of them getting hurt. Mm-hmm. You don't want your pitcher getting hurt ever. Right, right. Um, here in Nationals, Ronas Elias, you know, right. getting hurt in his, what, second or third game with the club in yeah. 2019 and then basically not pitching the rest of the way or at all for the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And then you talked about it, it determines their their roster makeup moving forward. We've talked a lot about Howie Kendrick and his return and Ryan Zimmerman and his return. That role of having a designated hitter is could change their their future. I don't obviously think Howie's banking on that. You know, that's really determining how whether he's going to come back or not. But we kind of decided that if he came back, that was going to be his role, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming the designated hitter, um, you know, w- was staying. And I think it adds a role for guys like that. Yep. It adds a role for guys and like that. And that's interesting because, yeah, it, it's going to add, and we're going to discuss another rule change that might take away jobs, actually. But, you know, this mm-hmm. adding a universal DH adds jobs you know if we're looking at it like an economic standpoint Mm -hmm. you know it adds jobs to the game you know that's 15 teams that then have to go find one at least one if not two or three of these guys to add to their roster who can just hit they're just pure hitters like you mentioned Mm -hmm. Howie Kendrick Ryan Zimmerman Eric Thames you know ideally those three guys would have been perfect for this type of season because they could have rotated at first base and DH and look back to even 2019 the Nationals won all four games in Houston because of a DH they don't have to worry about Howie Kendrick playing second base. They could have they stuck a Struble Cabrera in there, a switch hitter, and kept Howie at mm-hmm. DH so he wouldn't have to strain himself too much playing defense. And of course, he hit the go ahead home run in Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Not that there's a correlation, but you see my point. So, um, I, I yeah, I I think to answer this question though, I, if not to me, it's if not now, then when? You know, right. I and think we're all looking forward to this happening eventually. You might as well just do mm-hmm. it now since we had, because this season required it, we might as well just move forward because it's going to be weird if we... Do it and don't and do it. Well, if we, yeah, teeter back and forth. If we use a universal DH in 2020, don't in 2021, and then have a... And then once the new CBA is signed, and then you have... So, like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just do it now? And, like... Obviously, a lot of these rules were implemented because it was a 60-game season, but 2020 was the perfect opportunity to try out these things. It was the perfect opportunity. There's been so much back and forth about implementing the universal DH. 2020 was the perfect chance to try it out. I don't think anybody hated it. Yeah. You know? And some interesting notes here, too. How much did the universal DH actually affect the National League? These aren't exact. I mean, these are numbers, but this doesn't exactly tell the whole story, so bear with me. But just for argument's sake <laughs> in 2020 all of the national league hit 246 on average as an average had a 746 ops they hit 1161 home runs um and compared to 2019 now of course it's 60 games versus 162 so that's a discrepancy right there but the national league in 2019 without a universal dh hit 251 a little higher um, a better ops at 753 and the equivalent of uh, 1,221 home runs in a 60-game season. Obviously, home okay. runs is not going to be able to, you know. So if I did the math, which I think I did correctly, if I remember ratios from, like, fourth grade, uh, it would have been equivalent to about 
little over 1,200 home runs in over 60 games, uh, which was a higher pace than they did in 60 games in 2020. But then you go back one more year, and it flips. You know, the National League hit worse average, 247, a lower OPS, 722, and not even 1,000 home runs over a 60-game sprint or, or the equivalent of. So, I, again, that doesn't really do anything for argument's sake. I, thought, I just thought it was interesting to look at those numbers based on DH – Universal DH or not, again, it's hard to compare a 60-game season with two 162-game seasons, but I think I did the best I could, and, and it doesn't really answer the question, too, no. I guess is my point. But, yeah, you could assume that, you know, more home runs would be hit. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and an a- the average would be higher. Right, I thought the average would be higher, yeah. and I would expect ERAs to go up. Yeah. I mean, you have that extra bat in there. That's, that that would have been a, a good yeah. one to look at, too. I should look at that. Pitching numbers too, yeah. but yeah, for, from a pure number standpoint, it does there is no? What that tells me is that there's no real benefit either way. It's just you're just playing baseball at that point. Um, but to finish up the, this topic, University DH said you say stay. Yeah, stay. I say stay not because I love it, but because I just think we it might as well sense. at this point. You know, if sense. we're gonna if we're going down that path in two years, anyways, why bother skipping 2021? Let's just move ahead with it um, and. It kind of gets rid of my argument for why I love old baseball because it was the only rule that was different across they the league. They don't hit in college. They that's don't true. hit in the minors. That's Let's true. Let's not make them come up and hit. That's that's actually maybe one of the best arguments there is, I think, in my mind. All right, so we get New York. And, and of course, uh, if you're watching along with us on the Mass Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel or on Twitter, be sure to comment along. We're getting some comments um, that uh, Keith Yukowski says, says, keep the DH, get rid of the extra inning rule. Um, which we're going to touch on a couple of them right now. So first off being runner on second starting extra. And now, of course, this was a rule that they implemented in hopes that, one, it would shorten the game, mm-hmm. uh, and two, it was something that they tested out in AAA in the minor league systems mm-hmm. the year before, and to somewhat good success. They had good review, so they figured it was worth giving it a try in this 2020 season to shorten game length. It's, I guess it's how you feel – for me, I think it's how you feel about shortening games, mm-hmm. um, both of these rules, and obviously if they're effective in doing that. For me, it's like if I'm paying to see a game, I want to see extra innings. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want to see competitive extra innings. And for me, putting that runner in, in scoring position automatically, it's like one pitch and it can be two runs. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost as, as a real baseball fan, you want to see you want to see them earn it. Mm-hmm. You want to see them earn that 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 runner in scoring position and it not ju- it not just be one pitch and possibly two runs. Um, how, how do you feel about this? I, yeah, I, I understand. I mean, look, I was the I, Nationals fans remember, and I was there freezing my butt off the 2014 game two against the Giants that went 18 innings. That's exciting playoff baseball, but there's no need for us to be playing baseball mm-hmm. 18 innings in June, in May. <laughs> you know, it's just like when it gets to – I, I don't want ties. Ties should never be a thing in any professional sport. So let's throw that out the window. Mm-hmm. There there needs to be a winner and a loser, and we should try our best to get to that point. But over the course of a 162-game regular season, I'm okay with throwing a runner on second uh, to start off the inning. And then they got rid of this rule for the playoffs, right? Like extra innings in the playoffs right. had no so starter. So you, you think – Regular season, yeah. Postseason, yeah. throw it out the window. Yeah, yeah. What I thought was interesting is that the Nationals played 10 extra inning games in 2019. Okay. That's like 6.2% of their games. 
This year, they played four extra inning games, which was like 6.7% of their games. Um, in 2019, only one of them went past 11 innings. This year, only one went past 11 innings. Their longest game was 12 innings. So if you look just purely at the Nationals, this rule, I mean, obviously there's more than just this rule, mm. but it didn't make games any shorter. Yeah. No, and, and this is going to be, there are other rules that we're going to talk about that also mm-hmm. were implemented to make the game shorter. And we saw this year, the time of the game's average actually went up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they did nothing. Little, if they did the opposite mm-hmm. effect to help. Uh, the average baseball, major league baseball game length is, I think, three hours and seven minutes, which is the highest it's ever been. Uh, so good try didn't really work on that front. But to your point, yes, you know, the long 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18 inning games are so infrequent. I don't know if the runner starting on second is a necessity. Right. Now, it's definitely helpful because I think – Let's see, the Nationals played, like you said, four extra inning games. Actually, technically, they played five because mm-hmm. a doubleheader went to eight inning. But, and only one went past 11. The other three ended in 10. So they only played one extra inning. And I think that is uh, a correlation to this rule change because it's so easy to score with a runner on second. And that's another thing is this rule can backfire. Yeah. I mean, you put a runner on second, the whole point is to, to score runs. You score more runs, those extra innings can go longer than uh, scoreless innings would go. Yeah. You know, plus it could even it out, even it out. You have these, you know, it it might not always work. And I think that this rule, even though the Nationals numbers and results don't show this, I've always thought it favored the away team because they start first. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it's so easy to score runs with a runner automatically on second base. You're almost giving them a head start, and then the home team has to play catch-up. Right. I see that. I but it is even. I yeah, mean, like it, baseball, I mean, you're always going to get that last at bat if you both start with a runner on second. Um, and obviously, in extras, you, you score first, you have that advantage. But they do both start with a runner on second, so it's almost like it still is even. Yeah. I mean, of the three, of the four nine-inning, extra-inning games, the Nationals were the away team for three of them, mm-hmm. one of them being the away team at home against Toronto. Um and they won two of them. They lost at Philly uh, in 10 on a walk-off. But, yeah. I, I, I almost think I wouldn't mind, like, play two extra innings normal and then start, start with the runner the on second. Like, like, other sports don't go – like, they play overtimes and then go into penalty kicks or, you know, shootout. stuff like – Shootouts. Yeah. In hockey. So, it's kind of similar to that. I wouldn't mind them, you know, two extra innings. You get two extra innings and then start with a runner on second, so on and so forth. Common ground. A middle, like, all right, play two regular innings, and then in the 12th, if we're still tied, throw a runner on second. I think that's a good solution and a good compromise. Because, uh, again, I don't want to be sitting around watching a game for 15, especially 7 o'clock start, 9 o'clock West Coast mm-hmm. start, up till 3 a.m. in the morning watching these games. Unless like, it's a good, meaningful game. I mean, game if it's a good – yes. But at the same time, no, if it's good and meaningful and competitive, we can probably get a winner before 12 innings, sure. I guess. Um, so we found a compromise for that in, for that rule. Um I guess we're kind of both on the fence with it. Mm-hmm. Underst- I understood it. why. I get it in this season. Mm-hmm. You're protecting your bullpen. I don't like it moving forward. And out on it totally for the playoffs. For the playoffs. Yes. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that yeah. should be straight up. Playoff baseball. Yep. Right. Okay. Cool. So that's two down. Um, another one, but this kind of ties into the. Extra inning. Well, extra. No, no. Shortening games. Shortening games. Yeah. The shortening games conversation is the three batter minimum 
for pitchers. Now, this is the one that I said earlier with the DH creates jobs Mm -hmm. in the National League. This kind of takes away jobs in both leagues because it completely eliminates the necessity for a lefty specialist out of your bullpen or any kind of specialist for that matter, usually a lefty. So, you know, you look at teams like, like look back at 2019, the Astros didn't carry a single lefty on their pitching staff. The Nationals had Sean Doolittle at times and then not really a lefty maybe Ben Bramer every once in a while mm-hmm. out of their bullpen. But you don't need it because he has to face three batters anyway. You can't bring him in for one guy and then yank him mm-hmm. like he used to. He has to face three pitchers, so what does it matter? This rule, the entire purpose of this rule was to speed up games, make less fewer pitching changes, and it did nothing to speed up games. I, I, I don't – it didn't it, – we saw, again, the average time of a game go up. We saw pitchers – I think ERAs go up because then they were facing guys that they normally wouldn't have anyways uh, if they were able just to face one guy and done. I don't know if I like this rule because it, one, doesn't do its main purpose, and two, it kind of eliminates the tactician mm-hmm. aspect of a managerial spot. I was thinking about that, and I, I will almost say I'm with you. I, yeah. I don't like this rule. I will almost say it adds more strategy um, from a managerial standpoint, because you have to look three batters down the line. I think it takes that much more strategy, and you're, you're putting that much more trust in a guy if you're sending him out there, um, if you think about it like that. But it, it does take out the role of that specialist, and that is a job. I mean, guys have made their living off of that, like Randy Schott or um, Mike Myers or Jesse Orozco kind of reinvented himself mm-hmm. as a left-handed specialist. And guys make their career night and night you have to get that that out of you know the left the left best left-handed batter on the opposing team um and and b because like you said it doesn't do its job i was looking at this graph that was in sports illustrated and from 2015 on is when we've seen this steady uprise in game time right um in 2019 there were over 800 games that were more than three hours okay but since 2015 the amount of games that a left-handed specialist has pitched to just one batter has gone down. Huh. So that's steadily declined from 2015. It was at like 600 times. You saw that them just face one batter to 500 times in 2019. Wow. So there's, there's, we're seeing that there's not true correlation between game time and the amount of batters that these, these specialists see or any reliever necessarily. And if anything, you're asking pitchers to – I guess get it better, improve themselves, or just be more of a weapon out of the bullpen because you need to be able to face both lefties and righties mm-hmm. or right, whatever, you know. You have to face both handed batters, basically, is the point. And those guys who can do that are then more valuable. Those guys who can't, well, that's something to work on. You know, it's just the way the game's going to go. I, for this rule, yeah, I, I agree. That was a very interesting stat. I, I had not known, did not know that, so I'm going to go, yeah, I'm definitely out, if, mm-hmm. especially if teams were already leaning towards not – using specialists anyways. You know, they were going to just let guys face two or three guys to begin with. Um, And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing relievers be more, uh, I guess, a double-edged sword, you know, or I don't know what the crop hard analogy is, but being able to face both handed batters uh, more than ever. And that lefty looks like it was already out the door. And the specialist was already out the door door. anyway. Mm -hmm. So we don't need a rule really to govern it. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. And it's, it doesn't even make it, more exciting in my opinion because you bring a guy in he walks three batters it's like why was that exciting whereas you bring him in he gets the out or doesn't get the out and then you bring in your next guy and that makes it more exciting in my opinion so I don't think it does its job 
I'm out on it. Yeah. All right. I agree. I'm out on it too. Um, this one isn't not one of the most uh, popular or sexiest rules that we're going to talk about, but it is worth mentioning because it affects definitely at least how the Nationals are because the Nationals are maybe one of the teams that have the most roster spots to fill mm-hmm. this offseason. Roster size. Uh, and, of course, going back to the early point we made in this conversation, the point of this – we understand why this rule was implemented in 2020, you know, because you don't – COVID, you don't know who's going to get sick, who's going to mm-hmm. be available at any given – so have an expanded roster. We're seeing other sports adopt this similar thing. Have expanded roster. Have guys available to play so you don't have to cancel games. You don't – one guy gets sick, you have someone who can plug and play. Um, this – the way they did it, starting at 30 – then after two weeks went down to 28, 28, and then two more weeks down to 26 for the rest of the season. Uh, I think they even pushed that back a couple, especially after it. Yeah, yeah, especially after those Marlins and Cardinals fiascos with COVID early on in the season. I, I think we'll see it go back to normal where it'll go the opposite way in a normal season where rosters expand near the end of the season as opposed to shrink as the season go on. Um, but, I mean, for all accounts and purposes – this rule served its purpose, and it was very helpful. I think we would have seen a lot more cancellations and, and because teams wouldn't have guys readily available to play without this rule implemented. And I think moving forward in a season like this, if, if 2021 is similar like the, in, in the sense of COVID still a thing, mm-hmm. we're going to see this rule stick around just for safety precautions, and that makes total sense to me. Right. I think it, I agree with you. It made total sense in a season like this. And then, you know, it gives – a manager more options mm-hmm. um it gives more guys service time which you can't go wrong there really and then you give you can give guys days off whereas the nationals with an aging roster uh, last year the oldest roster in baseball that can only help yeah. you know you give your manager more options um i think the only guy that probably hates it is the guy in charge of the payroll right <laughs> owners <laughs> yeah. probably hate it because you're paying more guys um but other than that, I, I like the, the yeah. bigger roster size. And, of course, it made sense in a season like this. Yeah, and it helped David Martinez this year. He was able to carry extra outfielders and extra infielder, um, you know, guys. You know, if an expanded ro- – if the rosters are going to stay at 30, you might have seen a guy like Michael A. Taylor stick around mm-hmm. uh, this year. You know, he was still would have cost them up, but he would have played a larger role than if the roster is going to start at 26 next year. Uh, there's just no – he's not going right. to get enough playing time. Less so, up and down. Right. You know? And, yeah, but, yeah, that allows to more – major league playing time for guys or at least time on the major league roster who are going to earn major league checks. Mm-hmm. So I can see why, <laughs> like you astutely pointed out, ownership probably doesn't really like that rule. Uh, but yeah, in this se- in this season, it makes total sense. Um, we'll see the opposite probably in a normal season, but I, I think roster flexibility in seasons like this is, is key to allowing the season to go on. Mm-hmm. So that was smart on major league baseball. All right, this one's a little more, I guess I'll go back to the word sexier and and kind of a hot topic mm-hmm. in terms of baseball fans. The expanded playoffs, eight teams per league. That's more than half this year. Again, makes sense because of the COVID season. We're now seeing other team, other leagues like the NFL uh, expand their playoff season and, and maybe even more so because of COVID. Um, eight for me is too much. That's more, again, more than half. I was always a fan of the wild card game. I know a lot of people aren't. I was. I like the drama. I also understand the argument that a 162-game season shouldn't come down to one single game. Anything can happen like we saw. I've seen a couple of times in these crazy games, uh, but obviously the Nationals game last year went over the Brewers. I would like that to expand to a wild card series. Mm-hmm. 
a three-game series. We just saw that they were able to pull off a three-game series at the end of the season and then go into the DS and, and League Championship Series. Um, I would like to keep that portion maybe in 2021 and then maybe in 2022 expand to six teams in the playoffs. That's still less than half in each league, and I think it adds more playoff baseball, which I think baseball fans enjoy and Major League Baseball will enjoy because it's more revenue for them. No, I agree 100% with that. I think eight is too many. Mm-hmm. Um, in a season like this, of course, it made sense. It, it kept more teams in it for longer. That made it more exciting. But then you, you take more teams in it for that long in a 162-game season where the value of every game is is already less. We yep. know 2.7 times less every game. Um, and then you have all these teams in, in contention. It's It kind of takes away the excitement of baseball and the value of the regular season. It's worth less at that point. Um, so in the season, I think it made sense. Eight teams is too many. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see them um, expanded, but I, just like you, I, six. Yeah, yeah. Six, I, I think five is going to be fine for 2021. Um, make and that wild card game I like a that se- series. Yeah. I like that series. I mean, that works out because if you start both wild card series, you, ha- you save that Monday. So the regular season ends on a Sunday, mm-hmm. the last Sunday of September. You save that Monday in case any wild card spots or divisions need to have a play-in game. You start the wild card series, and I also like it. Also made sense in this year of COVID, but it just played at the higher seeds, home ballpark. Mm-hmm. There's you take the travel out of it. Um, that also adds a disadvantage. I mean, it makes it harder. For that that adds emphasis on the regular season. You don't want to be that last wild card spot. You want to be the first because then you'll host all three games mm-hmm. if necessary. You start the series Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, Thursday may not be necessary, but if it is Thursday, and then you start the division that weekend, nice. and then you've got. I mean, you you probably need to incorporate one travel day, so off Friday, and then you start Saturday night in prime time um, for the, the division series, and you have the entire baseball world watching. I agree with you. Talked about the the importance of being that top wild card spot. I think it's just the same thing goes for the the teams with the best record. If you're going to expand the playoffs, there has to be some value yeah. to that to having the best record. And um, this year. Like the home, there wasn't really wasn't home field advantage, right? Mm-hmm. You play that series at home, it, there weren't fans. So that's whether that comes in the form moving forward of ha- being at home playing that series at home, or whether they could possibly do a buy. Um, however, that shakes out. But I think there has to be some reward for that yeah. moving forward, especially if you're going to expand the playoffs. Yeah, and then you, you can go into uh, it's different because the, the add, adding a sixth team in each league in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would, cause it's not, it's like, it'll be like the same style as the old NFL playoff bracket, two buys, and then in two wild card games, mm-hmm. wild card series, I guess in this case for each league, but that would leave one division winner out because there's only three divisions as opposed to four in the NFL. Um, that would leave one division winner out, which I guess would make a race. Like, you know, you want to like, be the best in your, in, or at least your the side. top yeah. two in the league. So yeah. that way you get a buy. Is that fair to the third division winner? Maybe not, but, I mean, division winners have been mm-hmm. playing in the first round of the playoffs in baseball for a long time. And so. it makes it more competitive yeah. across the league, whereas you're not you're not that worried about just your division, which this year wouldn't work because you practically almost played your div- only your division. But, yeah. you know. And then also look at seasons like, like last year, or even this year, like teams like the Dodgers who just run away with the best league, uh, record in your league. Well, that's, there's still value in being the second best. So you'll see teams like the Nationals, Braves, uh, Cubs, Cardinals, whoever or those other teams 
chasing their divisions. You not only are trying to win your division, but you're trying to finish second so you get that bye week. So that adds competition there too and, and adds value to those late season games um, in late September. Um, all right, another one meant to shorten the game, keep guys out of the ballpark for not as long of a time, the seven-inning double headers. I loved this rule. I am a huge fan, uh, especially – I totally get it why it was this year, and I'm going to especially love it in 2021 when there's no reason in a 162-game season to be playing nine-inning doubleheaders ever. And I've always stressed, like, baseball, yes, is the one sport you can play a doubleheader on on a day because it's not that extraneous on your body, but you're still playing two games mm-hmm. in a single day, and a lot of these guys just can't take the, the grind of yeah. it. There's no need for them to both be nine games, in my opinion, they can be seven. We'll have a valid winner in each of those games, and we can move on. The thing, well, you'll never see, obviously, you'll never see nine-inning back-to-back doubleheaders, but it's the the value of having a day-night doubleheader. And moving forward, these, these ball clubs are going to be trying to make their money back. Baseball is going to be trying to make their money back. If you have fans, day-night doubleheader, you're selling – twice the tickets, twice the parking, twice all of that because um, you're getting the fans in and out and in and out. It didn't matter this year because there were no fans and you can play back-to-back doubleheaders. You're never going to see nine inning back-to-back doubleheaders. Um, so I think it made sense sense for this year, but moving forward, I don't know if baseball is going to be able to afford seven inning doubleheaders. I don't know if there's going to be a, a need for it like there was this year, mm-hmm. but I just don't see that as feasible moving forward. Playing seven innings each. Yeah. See, in my mind, I, that as a fan, that would make entice me more to go to both games because it's only seven innings. Mm-hmm. I'm not having to commit, shoot, three, six hours plus mm-hmm. to watch two games. I could ideally commit four hours, a little maybe five ish to watch two games. If, if a straight double header, there's seven innings each starting at four o'clock. Yeah, I can say till eight o'clock or nine o'clock right. to watch two games. But if they're seven, if they're nine innings each, you're going to say till ten or eleven. I think that would deter people from watching the whole thing. It's just mm-hmm. so much. I mean, people love baseball, I understand, but it's just so yeah. it's just too this much. Is, yeah, it's just, a, yeah. Whether so, you're playing day-night doubleheaders. And or, I think the quality of the game would be better because you're going to get guys who played in game one be also able to play in game two. You know, with nine true. innings, you see guys get the day, the second game, game off. off or maybe the first, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Saving so, your bullpen. Saving your bullpen. And, and, yeah, you save bullpen arms, too, for down the line. So you, it's it's less of a strain on the players and even the managers in terms of wearing guys out and having to worry about the next day, too, because, oh, we got oh, to play again tomorrow, too. Can't use too many guys in these two nine-inning games. Oh, it's only seven. I think we can make it work. So I, I liked it. I, I think it's something they consider staying. Um, again, and especially over 162 games, there's no reason a doubleheader needs to be nine innings. I think we can get a valid winner in seven and move on with and, and just continue playing of the game. And it's all of these rules we talk about not actually working and, and shortening games. Seven innings, you know you're shortening games. It's the yeah. only rule in, with the attempt to shorten games that you know you are guaranteed to shorten that game. Well, to that point, uh, some, some numbers on that. I think we, watched, we looked at the same uh, Sports Illustrated article. Oh, this is from SI as well. Through August 25th of this season, 67-inning games were played. 91.6% of them were completed in less than three hours. 53% were competed or completed in less than two hours and 40 minutes. And 20% took less than two hours. So two hours, 22 minutes, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So quick, in and out. I mean, you ha- yes, you still have to play two games, but you're not there, like I said, for 12 hours a day. You're there for probably closer to... Eight hours a day. I'm talking about the players. Like, right, you have right. to be there early and stay late. But 
it, it's it's less of a commitment for a full day of baseball that you're already going to get. You're already playing more mm-hmm. innings than you would have in a nine inning game. So let's just call it a compromise. So after you look at all of these rules, does the idea of of shortening games and almost trying to put a clock on baseball bother you? No, I, I think games need to be shorter. I, I think I don't want to put a clock on baseball. Obviously, we're not utilizing like the pitch clock to the full extent that it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no need to put a clock on it. But I think the sport does need to be aware that these games are too long. Guys, people can, sports fans who want to watch sports can watch a ba- <laughs> basketball game in two hours and 20 minutes, two, hour, two and a half hours. But that's uh, what makes baseball different. I know, but especially the intention span of, you're also trying to get a younger audience. You're asking them to watch a slow paced game mm-hmm. for over three hours. It's just not going to happen. I can't do it. And I, and I know, like baseball. And I like baseball, <laughs> and I work in baseball, and it's sometimes tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're all, not to mention, you're 162 of them. So to me, speeding up the game is one of baseball's top priorities, I think, moving forward, especially in the upcoming CBA. you just It's just too long. Um, the season is, is so long. I, I think that you're asking a lot from players and coaches and managers who already give so much to the game. Um, you're asking a lot of fans to pay attention Another thing tied into that is start time. I loved the Nationals starting at 6 o'clock on the weekdays. Mm-hmm. I get that. You don't have to worry about, with no fans, a, ha- um, a rush hour rush or giving time to fans to get to the stadium. But the 6 o'clock start, you're, the game's wrapping up around 9 o'clock. That had to improve. Imp- I don't have the numbers in front of me, but improve TV ratings because then you've got oh, people sure. watching the entire game and not checking out after 9, 9.30, mm-hmm. missing the best part. Especially if it's a blowout or if it's a close game, people maybe not staying up till ten o'clock to watch the the full game. Right. Um, and you're trying to get t- get got. You're trying to increase the people watching baseball. Mm-hmm. You want more people to see Mike Trout play. Yeah. If they start earlier. People will see him play. Well, that's my, and then to that point too about the start time, Saturdays, weekends. Why are we not? Why every look at college football. Yeah. We are both big college football fans. No Maryland game this weekend, unfortunately. College football starts at noon. On, on the, the West East, Coast? On the what East t- Coast. Right. And then you're getting to, to 7 o'clock, and the West Coast games are kicking off. Right. And then 10 o'clock. It's a full day. Why wouldn't baseball right. do the similar thing? Have the East Coast start at 1 o'clock on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You get the Midwest Rocky Mountain game starting at 4 o'clock, which would be 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, whatever their time. 7 o'clock comes around. Now you're seeing Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. uh, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw, all those West Coast superstars. Start at seven o'clock. Oh, I got a full day of baseball ahead. I'm going to plop in front of the couch and just watch yeah. it all day. That makes no. Starting the East Coast at seven o'clock on a Saturday never made sense to me. Because no. also, if you start earlier, not in an ideal world where we're able to go back to the stadium and, and fans can come watch, I'm more likely to surround my day around a game starting at one or four o'clock than seven o'clock. Because mm-hmm. I want to. I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to be out all day doing stuff, and then oh, I got to go game at seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I might as well just go home and watch it. But if it's at four. And I'm out by 8 o'clock? Okay, that's a great way to spend a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've always thought that Saturday games, they do a great. They do it on Sunday. I don't know why they can't do it on Saturday. And you bring, yeah, you're just bringing more attention to it. You wake up to football everywhere else yep. around the country. Why can't we wake up to baseball? Have like a big like game day, like pregame show on MLB Network every Saturday. Like mm-hmm. we're counting down to first pitch. Let's start or like, it, Bobby. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, let's start. A, maybe Mass and All Access will do that. In a row. <laughs> we'll just like count down yeah. starting at noon to 1 o'clock uh, first pitch. Um Moving forward. All right. Well, that's going to be pre- – we have a couple more, but, you know, these are smaller ones that can be uh, – I, I, I'm glad I got to touch on the game time because that's, that's something else I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, th- these rule changes, I think for all in all, 
Actually, I don't know. I didn't really keep track of which ones we like, but I think we're kind of split. I think we have a we logical have, approach mm-hmm. of the ones that we want to keep and, and ones that should probably go. Mm-hmm. The ones that are definitely going are the three batter minimum. Mm-hmm. Runner on second. Runner on extras. second. Well, I was kind of on. We, we, on fa- we found a compromise yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. Roster size, going back down to normal size, but maybe expanding I as think, the season mm-hmm. goes on. Um, expanded playoffs, expanded but playoffs, not that expanded another realistically. Yep. Yep. And then the seven inning double headers, I was for them. You were kind of against them. So I think Universal DH is the only one we are, are all in Fault. because you, yeah. you decided you were all in, right? Uh, yeah, I did. I did because right now it makes more sense yeah. than ever. Um, so that's it. And and we appreciate everyone who's commenting along. Chris Liu on, on Facebook saying robot umpires. That's something we didn't touch on. Mm-hmm. That's something we can talk about later too. But I personally, just a quick nugget, I like the human element of it. It's not perfect, but... At some point, if we're getting robot empires and it's so precise, it's just going to be too, I think, too easy for pitchers because they'll just know the exact strike zone. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to – I like having to adjust to an individual umpire's uh, strike zone game in and game out. I mean, out. You're, you're really – you're changing baseball at that point. Let's make it more fun. Right. Let's make it more fun. Yeah. Let's make it more interesting. Um, not that it isn't already interesting, but you see my point. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Mass and All Access podcast. We thank everyone for tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to give the Mass and All Access podcast a follow on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Be sure to spread the word. We'll be covering the Nationals and all of baseball throughout the offseason leading up to spring training in February 2021. Thanks to Paul Mancano for working the board behind the scenes. Stay safe, everyone. We hope everyone's staying safe and healthy um, and, and getting prepared for this holiday season. Let's just call it that. And enjoying <laughs> everyone's comfort and, and staying safe. For Amy Jennings at Amy Jennings News, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. We'll see you later.